All right, let's take our declaration quickly. One, two, let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. Amen. And that is what the Lord will do for you again today in Jesus' name. It will come to pass that the the word will enter your heart. It will give you light. It will give you direction. It will heal you in every area. And most importantly, to make you more than ever before like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats, our school of prayer. Let's quickly learn more words to use in prayer. Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not to get tired of praying. It's important we understand it. Men ought always to pray and not to get tired of praying. Now, I say this again. Many of the prayers believers pray need to be corrected. I'm saying that, state, making that statement in the year 2022. Because someone may be to this in the year 2027 when major correction will have been done, all right? So this is being said in the year 2022. It's around the, well, this is the beginning of May, right? So this is how you get it in perspective. Many times we pray about things that God said don't bother to pray about. Many times we pray about the right things but in the wrong way. Many times we pray about what God has already done. Instead of us to be giving him thanks, we pray the opposite of what God said we should pray. Love your enemies. Pray for them that despitefully use you. We'll say, our enemies die. The, king, the year that King Uzziah died. And I saw the Lord. So if you want to see the Lord, King Uzziah must die. So we'll spend time praying for the death of King Uzziah. We'll pray the opposite of what God said we should pray. Like I said last time, sometimes we bring what the Lord what the world gives to us as a prayer point. We ask the Lord to come and fulfill it. We bring our anxiety to God, not to lay them down, but to amplify them, so that if he doesn't do it in the first year, we increase the anxiety. Second year, he hasn't done it, anxiety level peaks. Third year, he hasn't done it, we go into iniquity. One woman said, hmm, he's giving God till December. If God does not give her a husband... She's going to get pregnant anyway. And she did not mean artificial insemination. I'm going into adultery and fornication and sexual immorality. If God doesn't want it, he should supply a husband before December. And the God we have to deal with, we can't threaten him. The friends of Eli, Job, told him, when you were doing righteousness, how was this God's problem? Well, if you decide to do iniquity, what will he lose? See, why are you crying? My leg is paining me. What happened? Job stepped on it. <laughs> he wouldn't do that. So all this year, rag, 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 righteousness for your own good. Every instruction, every commandment that God gives to us is for our own good. He never, ever, ever asks anything for his own benefit. Only two persons or two groups of people 
benefit from his instructions. One, you that is giving it to. Two, your neighbors around you. That's all. That's all. So if he gives me an instruction, it's of benefit to me. It's of benefit to my wife if I obey it. It's of benefit to my children. It's of benefit to my neighbors. My, the people who listen to me and I'm preaching as a preacher, people who walk with me, they are the ones that benefit. He's God, like we say, all by himself. He doesn't need anybody else to be God. He doesn't increase in Godship. His royalty cannot improve. His majesty cannot be amplified in reality. It can't be. So we, we can't make him better than he was before. We can't make him richer than he was. So there's nothing we are doing that benefits him. Everything is for our own purpose. We said it even our creation. It's not so, we're created to worship. Mm -mm. Worship is a means to an end. We're created to be like him. But if you don't worship him, you don't become like him. You become like whom or what you worship. That's the principle there. So sometimes, when the word has given us those prayer points, those anxieties, we make them prayer points. They are the things that make our prayers ineffective. Otherwise, God answers prayers. Let me just say this before I get into my message for today. God answers prayers. If any prayer is not answered, ask yourself why. I didn't think about this ahead, but I have a bit of understanding stored up in my heart. So let me bring forth a number of them. There are different reasons why he may not, the prayer may not be answered. One, it may be prayer not prayed in faith. Now, that's very you know, vast, the meaning of not praying in faith. So we'll just put everything, I'll just be saying everything, just to bring out a number of points. That is, a prayer is not initiated by the word of God or by sincere, godly desire directed to the, towards the Lord. He will not answer those prayers if they don't fall into that category or those categories. Sometimes we are praying wrongfully. I said that earlier. I'm just giving a number of reasons why God doesn't, it may seem like he doesn't answer our prayer. Sometimes we are praying for things he actually does not want us to have. There's not everything you want that he wants you to have. My children want to have phones. And I said, no. You must pass jump, pass WAEG, and then show me admission paper to university. They will cannot discuss the kind of phone you want. It is not because my hand is shutting that I cannot pay. It is that your lack of admission to university has separated you <laughs> from the phone. That is all. And I see Perez is looking with sadness that my days are long. <laughs> the Lord is good. So sometimes we want something he does not want us to have. I hope you are getting my point. Yes. And he's a good father. He doesn't have any compunction with, uh, you know, about denying you. He will say, Lord, I want to say no. Some people say, if you have enough faith, you can get anything from God. If you get anything by force, it will never be a blessing to you. Many of the things we call faith is nothing but stubbornness. I shall not agree. I shall not agree and faith are not the same thing. They are not. I shall not agree stubbornness. Faith is humility. Towards the will of God. That's what faith is. That what's most important to me is that I know what God really wants me to have. That's what faith is. 
Other reasons he doesn't answer prayer. We regard iniquity in our hearts. You, re, you won't agree to repent. You want him to answer. What is wrong with you? When sinners pray, God doesn't like to listen. He listens to few prayers from the mouth of sinners. Those who hide iniquity in their hearts, God doesn't like to listen to their prayers. David taught us that. And that reason why he appears not to answer prayer is because of impatience. As I, I have to emphasize appear in this context because he said, okay, I've heard. Leave it to you later. Say, Lord, today, today. God said, listen, your life has seasons. There is a purpose for each season. And it's not everything that belongs in each season. The thing you're asking for belongs to another season. I've heard. But it will not fit now. Many of the things, a lot of prayers about money. It's why young people want to, they want to hammer. God said, if, I, if, if, I, if you hammer right now, it is hammer on your head. It's, it's called fracture. Your score will not balance again. So people think once you just give me money, everything will be all right. It's not true. Money can crease somebody. I hope you understand Nigerian English there. Okay, let's speak international English so that people understand. Money can actually run you mental. It can. You know, when the book of Ruhav says that, don't make me, give me food that is convenient for me. Don't make me too rich. Don't make me too poor. It's his level of faith. No, it's a height of understanding. It's a kind of money God will give you. They say, go to Bible study. They say, for what? You won't, you won't even know when you said it to. You will say that of excitement. You will take the name of the Lord in vain. You will. You just say, let's go to Bible study. And I say, tell Pastor Banky to come and preach in my sitting room. You won't even know. You, you will think you are joking, but iniquity has started. When the pastor says something you don't like, you send him 10 million naira. Say, Pastor, say another one. I'm telling you, money has a spirit of his own. One of our brothers was talking to me the other day in, 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 you know, in a convention I went for. I think he finished talking. I just said that money really makes people mad. No, we're discussing. He just told me that. So, no, no, the guy was 15 million. So, then 10 million. So, I, I had to say, did you say, you meant dollars? He said, ah, no, sir. Anytime I mention money, I, we don't, my company, we don't deny it. I said, okay, go on. Then the total came to 40, 40 million in my mind. Dollars. I go add the dollar for him. <laughs> Then when we finished, he and I agreed that money can make people mad. That some people have gone crazy. The money is too much. It happens. So sometimes you're asking for something, God says you are not yet ready to carry it. You are not yet ready to carry it. Glory has weight. So if I give you some things, you can't handle them now. That's another reason why it seems not to answer prayer. I talked about the fact that we may not be praying in faith. You know, sometimes people pray prayers that are not of faith. What do you mean by prayer of faith? Now, there was a misunderstanding we believed for some time, but as I began to grow in the faith and the understanding, I said, no, that's not what James was saying. When James said the prayer of faith will save the sick, we said, what's the prayer of faith? It's a prayer that you pray once and you don't repeat. You just believe that God has done it. Above, above, God, done. No. When he gave the example, it was Elijah. And he prayed that many times. Seven times. So a prayer of faith is not the one that in which you just believe that God has done it. No. We're not going to details about it now, but this is a prayer of faith. It's the only type of prayer that is effective. All effective forms of prayer must be prayers of what? Faith. So if it's a prayer of thanksgiving, it must be a prayer of faith. 
If it's a prayer of, you know, praise and worship, it must be a prayer of faith. It's a, I'm just giving different types of prayer that we'll talk about once in a while. If it's a prayer of intercession, it must be a prayer of faith. If it's a prayer of supplication, it must be a prayer of faith. If, it must be, if it's a prayer of agreement, it must be a prayer of faith. It has to be. Now, all other types of prayer that are not prayers of faith are the opposite of a prayer of faith. <laughs> For example, what are the, if I give examples, you'll understand. For example, there's a prayer of show. Jesus talked about it. They like to pray openly in the synagogues, in the marketplaces, so that they will be seen by men. Verily, verily, I say unto you, they have their reward already. That's a prayer of show. There's a prayer of copy, the copycat prayer. I joy you by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. This is how Paul does it, though. Did Paul used to hold their head? No, Paul knows they did not from fire. Okay. I adjure you by, what is the point? Show me the, was that video, you know? You want to do it the way Paul did it. That's a prayer of copy. It's not a prayer of faith. Sometimes, sometimes, a prayer of desperation is not a prayer of faith. Prayer of desperation can lead to prayer of faith. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. The man was desperate. But if you see, Jesus had to say to him, all things are possible to him that believes. You know, he came to him and said, if you can do anything, that's not a prayer of faith. We have been to Babalao, didn't do anything. We have been to the medical doctor, he didn't do anything. We have been to the traditional doctor, he did not do anything. We have gone to meditation, it didn't happen. We use all kinds of things, it did not happen. Lord, eh, if you can do anything, that's not a prayer of faith. It's a prayer of desperation in which I have nowhere else to go. Sometimes God leads his children to that point so as to recover their faith. But generally speaking, it is not a prayer of faith. You know, some time ago I discussed that here. When was that? I was talking about medicine and all of that. Believing God. Okay. Was it Tuesday or Saturday? Tuesday. Okay, I explained that. There are many who claim they are believing God. They are not believing God. Doctor has given them a difficult diagnosis. They say they have a particular level of cancer. And they know the story around it. They say the child has leukemia. They know the story around it. The person has Parkinson's disease. They know the story around it. Things that are either totally incurable, according to medical science, or very hard for medical science to cure or even control. As sorry science people become desperate. So somebody will not tell them that if you don't take medicine, if you believe God, you won't take medicine. And of course, those medicines can be costly. Somebody was giving a testimony. <laughs> My wife was there. When she gave the amount of money she had to spend on drugs, people shouted, yeah. <laughs> I think she was sitting beside me when she was talking. The people were like, are you serious? He said, it's costly. How much did she say? Something like maybe 600,000 or so. Is it 400? Something like the half a million. And it was to take maybe like 16. People say, yeah, hope I, ah, God, heal me in Jesus' name. You know that kind of thing. I had that experience when I was seven. No, I was in my house job. In the church, we were planning a program, our convention. And so we're supposed to do something. It's not now that generators are everywhere. There are few people who had generators. So we wanted to get a standby generator for the services. So somebody had gone to check the price. And the power was fairly constant there, but it could go anytime without warning you. And you're having a major church program. Normal church, if it goes, we manage. So we say, let's go and 
rent a generator. I was part of a committee. One lady, a pastor in the church, an assistant pastor, was kind of in charge, you know, because being a pastor. So I was there when they came to report that the generator was so and so amount per day. He said, eh? They won't take light in Jesus' name. I said, excuse me, ma'am. <laughs> Let's speak international English again. That there will not be far power failure in Jesus' name. So other people say, amen. I refuse to say amen. I said, sorry, ma'am. Is it because of the money? I told her, I said, no, I said, look to me like the money is the problem. I said, no, no, no. I couldn't say amen. I said, let's find the money. I said, I'll donate some. Yeah, my friend, oh, yeah, let's get that money. I said, this one of emergency prayer because of uh, brokenness. I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't like it. So if, if we had money, we, we wouldn't be talking like this. He said, eh, what? They won't, they, they, they won't be powerful in Jesus' name. I said, sis, I know they say amen to that kind of thing. You should have known before you sent us to go and be checking the price of generator. <laughs> That's what I mean by the prayer of desperation. But let me add it again. Sometimes, sometimes, you know God is very kind. He's not mechanical. He's not a computer. He didn't press the right button, no. Sometimes, in our desperation, we come to him and remember that there's actually a God. That you now sing like dumb word. I have made you too small in my eyes. Oh, Lord, forgive me. I'm going to jump a few lines. And I have believed in a lie instead of your love and your mercy or that you were unable to help me. Now, oh, Lord. What's the next line? I see my wrong. You understand? What's the next line? My heart and show yourself strong. Can you see? Came with what? Repentance. It's not knowing the name of Jesus. Because, hey, 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 you didn't know I was here. Why are you sending the God of a generator? <laughs> so, Domwe told us that, no, that's not how that desperation point comes. When we get to that desperation point, we forget on our knees. Say, God, we don't travel. Twelve years. Many physicians. Nothing bettered. Rather grew worse. But now I am hearing of Jesus. Please, when the book comes out, we walk by faith. If you get that book, I describe some of this things inside there. You know, that woman now heard of Jesus. For her, it was not repentance. She didn't hear of Jesus before. But many of us, if we have not heard something new, many of the so-called faith we are exercising is nothing but nonsense desperation. Because there's nowhere else to go. But it's okay, like you know, I said at the beginning, that desperation can be used to lead us to faith. But except the proper method is followed. Forget it. It's not faith. People pray a lot. And that's why many people, like I said last time, they say they are believing God that they will not therefore take orthodox medicine. What are the orthodox medicine? What do mean by, you know, when you go medicine, that's what we call orthodox medicine, okay? They, but then they are up there buying Chinese herbs, rutubaga, ginseng. They are mixing turmeric with ginger. And drinking carrot juice. And I say, if you are going to do that, just go to the hospital. Raise money amongst brethren. Say, brethren, I need 3.5 million. I have only 350,000 naira. Can you raise me the balance 90%? Then let's see what we can do while we are praying for you. Not that you are doing ginseng and rutubaga and telling me, I'm not going to take conventional medicine. My God is able. Stop fooling me and stop fooling yourself. I hope you're getting my point. It's true. 
Because you can see your heart is not totally in that goal. You are still, read, you are still online every day, scanning, looking for. If they tell you there's pear grass mixed with uh, elephant grass on top of a local tree, it works. You will try it because you can afford it. No spare grass is cheap. It grows down the neighborhood garden. You understand? That's why you like it. Let me just say it again. If you are in that kind of situation, instead of spare grass, go to the hospital. Pay. The prayer you were using with spare grass, use that prayer with the hospital medicine. Two of them will work. And the Lord will have mercy on you. Amen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just want to explain why sometimes this prayer doesn't seem to work. Because people are not really praying in faith. They are praying for different reasons. Sometimes just pure desperation. They will have, and if tomorrow, in the middle of that, somebody tells there's one Baba shop banker, they will still go there and try before they come back. God is merciful, though. When you come back, don't think you have faith you don't have. What do you need to do? Buy Domwen. Sing along. I have made you too small in my eye. Next line. Oh, Lord. Do what? Sing it again. Forgive. Sing it again. If I should put your, go and buy old record and make it spoil. So it be doing the forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. <laughs> and you played one night, by morning you'll be healed. I can assure you. <laughs> but that is good. But actually, God answers prayers. So that's why this school of prayer is very important. That's why I do a lot of talking. We don't just come to pray, I do a lot of talking. Because I found out that teaching the word of God boosts faith and understanding. Actually, faith is the main thing I want to say. But one method by which it boosts faith is through understanding. All right? So that prayer you pray in five minutes is more effective than noise you make for one hour. Because you build understanding. That's what we're trying to explain. So prayer works. So that's why we keep on going through this. I recommend it to anybody listening. Go to our website, pastor.ng. Go to the School of Prayer section, and you will find hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of teachings on prayer. And if you go through all of them, you never see where we're fighting enemies, die by fire, which is against us, you know? We don't do that because it's unnecessary. We are natural overcomers. Did you hear what I said? We are what? Natural overcomers. I've never prayed, and I'm going at Lord, I'm about to step on this cockroach. May it not sting me. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Mm-hmm. You don't pray. Why? You're a natural overcomer of a cockroach. You step on it, dies. I can't remember any woman entering the kitchen and say, Lord, I was about to fry this egg. Let the shell break. The only prayer is, Lord, let's not break before I get there. Because it can break easily. We're natural egg breakers. Amen? Any witch that wants to jam us, egg don't jam rock. That's the way it works. Go to your neighbor, bring out your head, say, witch, come and jam this one. The ones that don't have sense, they will come out and jam your head. Then tomorrow morning, you say, wish don't die. You didn't want to kill anybody. You're just trying to practice. <laughs> the one that has sense, say, I'm not coming to jam you. Say, you, want, you don't want to jam my head? Say, no. You want to bamba? I say, no, I don't want to bamba. <laughs> I want to stay in my house. I don't want fight. And if I jam you, I will die. You know, some experience which is they know. They keep away. Satan said it to God. I've been asked, you are looking for who to injure. Nobody you surround them with a hedge roundabout. It's all those small, small apprentice witches that they teach one trick how to make somebody fall down. They now want to use on any, you, you see them in movies. They now be doing their magic wand like this. 
and you do it in the direction of a man who the Lord has blessed, a woman whose spirit is inside her, when that your jazz hits the person, to bounce back sevenfold, jam you which, and you will fall down there. Then the senior witches will now tell you that she be, you think, those of us that check, according to Godons, there are witches that do blood tests what they suck. <laughs> they will first come test the blood, say, is this one was suckable? He said, no, the Lord is good. So if you listen to those, you will see us focus on the things that matter. Let's get, continue with our message today, or the, the series we have been on, and I believe the Lord has given me the freedom now to get into the thing we began last time. How to get rid of what? Fear. Cure for fear. Casting out fear out of our lives. I've said it before, fear is, is a neutralizer of good and an attractant of evil. It repels good out of our lives. So anytime God wants to bless you, say fear not. Problems in life don't make people sink. Unbelief makes believers sink. It is not the difficulty that makes believers sink. It's unbelief. It's doubt. It is fear. If you can, you know, withstand, if you can cast out fear entirely, all right? That boldness of faith will stop bullets. That boldness of faith will stop atomic bombs with malfunction. Don't assume that every nuclear bomb, every nuclear bomb is working. I was in somewhere the other time. I realized that many of them are not working. Just that like because if one or two works, it's not problems. Somebody, I won't mention the name of any country. Say most of, of their nuclear weapons, they are not working. Like just America doesn't like to make too much noise. That there was one, you remember when Donald Trump was the um, president of America? And uh, he was talking to that, uh, that, that short guy in um, North Korea. That guy, he said, look, you have nuclear bomb. He said, my own is bigger than your own, and it works. <laughs> <laughs> he told him that, look, my nuclear button is bigger than yours, and it works. And when he said it works, they, they knew what they were saying. But this noise you are making is your own working. You will shoot it, you land, <laughs> land in the center of the Atlantic, go to the bottom. Even there, it will not explode. Who are you trying to threaten? Just that we are not like you. We'll give you two. They both work predictably. <laughs> the Lord is good. <laughs> what am I going to say? Face will make nuclear weapons directed against you malfunction. The best marksman, and you're just going, you don't even know. He will miss his aim. He's shooting you from just 100 meters. This guy has been killing from 2,000 meters. He's shooting you from 50 meters, and he will miss. He will develop cramps. Why? It is written, no weapon that is fashioned against you will prosper. That's what it does. Don't think weapons are... Look, weapons can't prosper except God allows them to prosper. So if he says weapons fail, they will fail. They will cock a gun right in your face, fire it, and it won't go off. The man, will, the man will take it, he will fire into the air, it will go off. He will face you again, fire, it won't go off. By that time, you better be repenting because the next fire is into his own heart. Why? The Bible says, God said it, the wicked, they've drawn their bow to shoot an arrow at the righteous. He said their arrow will enter their own heart. It's the word of God. Let me say to you again, your life as a believer is not a game of chance. What hinders divine blessings is unbelief, is fear, is anxiety. So that's why God will come and say, fear not. 
Because no matter the plan he has for Mary, if every time um, Gabriel shows up to deliver the message, he, she freaks out. You know, some women delight in panicking. They think it's a feminine sign. You know I'm soft and pepperless. <laughs> Even cockroach scares me. I know women say with pride. Ah, if I see a cockroach, I can faint. It doesn't impress us. We think something's wrong with you. You know, the way some people take pride in nonsense. Say, no, no, no. Ah, I'm a, ah, ants. I'm afraid of ants. So. Rubbish. At your age, you're afraid of ants. Your mates are killing scorpions. You're afraid of ants. Your mates are there in the minefield, removing anti-personnel mine from the ground. You're afraid of ants. And I'm planning to grow up. And the Bible says, sin shall not have dominion. Ant is having dominion over you. If you run for ant, what about when you see the devil? You just go to hell by yourself. Say, devil, don't kill me. Say, where's the hellfire? Just inside. No, let me just say here. Don't take pride in nonsense. If you're afraid of ants at this age, you should be ashamed to say it. Call your closest friend. Say, ah, Angela, are you, did you, do you know I'm afraid of ants? Angela, you say, what? He said, that's why I see him. Let's join hands to pray. God of I shall die. In the name of Jesus, we kill all the ants. <laughs> I cast out the spirit of fear. Some would have been saying, no, no, no. No, we pretend, you know, as if they, as if softness. Listen, women. Softness is not, is not, give me a word. No, no, I'm looking for those, uh, not those tenter words, eh? A <laughs> uh, church boy, I'm talking about. I'm looking for Instagram words. You know, okay, let's just look for a Nigerian word. You know, it's not touch, thank you, thank you. Softness is not touch. And I say, no, no, if you just touch me, I can just faint. Because of what? I'm not trying to cast out demons. Don't be proud of rubbish. Don't be proud of rubbish. That's what I'm going to make. Don't be proud of rubbish. I say, no, if my husband cannot put air conditioner in the house, I can't even marry him. We don't want to marry you. <laughs> Are we looking like we want to marry you? We're looking for problems to add to as life has had this, as, as, as hard as life is right now. And I'll be looking for somebody that will not sleep or say, you have AC. So, girl, now back on you. This one, if you don't leave this thing. Now back on you now. Ah, ask my wife, what's come for transfer cool? My wife has been sleeping at air conditioned room since she was a child. I didn't even know. Oh, Richard, no go. Oh, girl, not get air conditioner. Back. We didn't have generator. We lie on the balcony in transfer cool those days. 3 a.m. now we go enter. When the environment don't cool. You have only entered air conditioned office, air conditioned office. You don't have a, your father didn't have, you didn't have, you went to university, did you have? Nonsense and angry, not to buy impressors. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just leave it there. Hmm. How did I get there? No, 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 no. That is good. <laughs> So we cast out fear. That's another reason. Let's not magnify fear for any reason. Don't say I'm afraid of the dark. You are not afraid of the dark. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Get it clear. It's not like being afraid of the dark. And don't scare your children with the dark. I told you before, my children grew up. They never knew children were supposed to be afraid of the dark. If they're afraid of the dark, it's just because they can't see in the dark. They're not afraid that something will catch you. The God that is inside you, you can see every time. 
You know, this light doesn't need it to see. And it's with you always. Lo, I'm with you always. So don't, and I hope you know there are no witches in the dark particularly. They only go to hide in the dark for those who are afraid of the dark. You know where your fear is amplified. I hope you're getting my point. Mm-hmm. So there's no glory in any nonsense. That's the point I'm trying to make. So fear must be cured. And we have looked at a number of things we must do to cure fear. And one of them is we say we pray. What's the second one? We, that we cast our burdens upon the Lord. Which one did we talk about last time? You know, that's when we started. There's the second one. The third one is our holding on to his promises. Building our lives on the promises of God. We gave a second one. Who can remind me now? Yes, I think it has to do, yes, understanding. Yes, I said, yeah, if you understand, yeah, if you ask God for understanding, all right, if you know what he's doing, I, I remember the example I gave, if a woman is in labor and she's shouting, she's shouting, we are not worried, she's shouting, we are not worried, because we understand what God is doing in her life. Let me put it like that, okay? So last time, we now began another one, which is talking about, um, yeah, fr- promises, promises. Now, let's quickly read Psalm 23, Okay. Psalm number 23. It's, it's, of course, we know the psalm very well. Many people will not bother to open their Bibles, and I don't blame them. But I'll still read the Bible, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why did I read this? It's because of something I was taught those days more than 30 years ago when we were studying the word of faith. And it was explained to me that this was the foundation of the life of Jesus on the earth. That this psalm was speaking prophetically about Jesus concerning how he would live his life. So you do not hear Jesus praying for himself for bread. You do not hear Jesus, never read anywhere, he's praying for himself for protection. You didn't see him pray about any of those things. We're taught that the reason was because he, this was his life. This was his confession. This particular psalm was what he based his life upon. He said, my, the Lord is my shepherd, and I believe that a psalm like this and related ones were his recitation. He confessed these scriptures because Jesus was a praying person. I hope you're getting my point. He used to sing hymns also. So these are the things that he sang about, about or sang with. These are the lyrics of his hymns, the wordings of his hymns. So we're taught that that was how Jesus lived. That's the reason why I'm bringing it up to us again today. Last time I explained, let me just recap uh, about something I said, that why did God love Abraham so much? Why was God impressed with Abraham when he sacrificed his son Isaac? I said it was not because of the magnitude of the sacrifice. No. It was not because, oh, so the Lord, the, the Abraham gave the Lord $5 billion. Oh, such a great thing. And all he had was five, or after that he had $100 million left. So that was not it. Yes, the son was precious. Isaac was precious. 
We emphasize the fact that he was called at the age of 75, that is Abraham. Isaac was born at the age of 100, that's 25 years later. And then about 35 years after that, God asked him to sacrifice Isaac. So about 60 years had passed from the time Isaac, um, Abraham was first called to when that request was made by God. So it's quite a great one. And God rubbed it in, your son, your only son, whom you love. That's how he said it, to rub it in very well. So for somebody to give up such a son definitely is a great thing. It's a great sacrifice. Now, when we use the word sacrifice in this context, now I meant the English way. Sacrifice means that you deprive yourself of something. The Bible sacrifice means you offered something, you killed something. You, it doesn't mean any other thing more than you give, you know, you offered. But in English, when we say sacrifice, we mean that you deprive yourself of something very precious to you. So we know it was a great sacrifice, that English modern one, all right, that he offered to God at that point in time. But I said, that was not what impressed God. That was not what impressed the Lord. As great and as impressive and as, you know, glorious, um, give me another word, as beautiful, as, as virtuous as that was, that was not what impressed God really. What impressed God was that Abraham built his life, made his decision based on what God has said. I think we should just read that portion together. Quickly go to Romans chapter 4. That's one thing we often overlook. That was what impressed God. It was not what many of us would think. He said, in Isaac will your seed be, or your descendants be called. Okay, yeah, I think that's the one actually was Hebrews chapter 11, one, not the Romans one. Let's save time. Let's read the one in Hebrews chapter 11. So Hebrews chapter 11, let's read from there. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. He said, by, by faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place where he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Now I'm going to jump um, down to verse 13. All these died in faith, talking about all the people they mentioned, especially Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Sarah. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance, and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things, make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own, and indeed, if they had been thinking of the country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. Verse 17, I'm jumping there now, let's not get down there. It said, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. Now notice this. It was he to whom it was said, in Isaac, your descendants shall be called. I like the King James expression here. He said, in Isaac shall your seed be. It's so beautiful. In Isaac shall your seed be. Now verse 19, he said, listen to this. Abraham, when he was tested, verse 19, he considered that God is able to raise people from the dead, from which also he received him, that is Isaac, back as a type. Now, please, I'm going to stop reading here so as to save time. Notice how, why um, he, he sacrificed Isaac. The reason he did was simply because he had faith 
that if God said it, it will not fail. Even if it looked like it had failed. Even if it looked like it was going to fail. His own was, if God said it, it cannot fail. You know, I said something before. That if if Abraham had died without having all the children they were thinking about, as far as God was concerned, his promises in the life of Abraham never failed. You see, there's a way God works. Let me not go into that now. There's a way he works. And one of the things you must learn in life is how to watch out for how he's working. That's one thing we must learn in life. To watch out for how he's working, to learn his own way. Things don't always go the way we planned it. Things don't always go the way we think it should go. Many of the parts we are watching out for are the parts that other people have gone by. Meanwhile, God wants to take you through another way. Why am I saying this? What impressed God about Abraham was that Abraham trusted God so much. You see, it wasn't that he was willing to just give up Isaac and be gone forever. That may have been in his heart. But what impressed the Lord was that Abraham sacrificed Isaac, knowing that if necessary, God will raise him back from the dead. Now, it may not be significant to most of us now, simply because we have heard modern stories of people who died and were raised up from the dead. We've read stories in the time of Jesus of people who died and he raised from the dead. We know most notably of Lazarus. Before that, we hear stories of the son of that woman, the Shunammite woman. Remember that? Uh-huh. Remember the story of the dead man that was thrown into the tomb of Elisha? We read all of those stories. But none of these had happened by the time God was dealing with Abraham. Abraham had never heard of it. That's number one. Number two, God asked for an, a burnt offering. So they were not going to bury this Lazarus. They were going to burn this Lazarus. I hope you're getting my point. He was not going to bury this Lazarus. He was going to burn this Lazarus. Now in the face of everything that looked like Isaac should die and the promise of God should fail, Abraham said, God promised that in Isaac your descendant will be. So for that reason, the only logical thing in his mind was not that, okay, God has changed his mind. He said, no, God must have a plan of raising him from the dead. So he risked his whole life's I don't want to use the word investment, but let's just use investment. It's the easiest one I can use now. The hope of his whole life, that's another word, hope. On the promise from God. I don't know whether you're getting my point. He risked, risked everything on a simple promise from God. That God said in Isaac, will your seed be. The person that impresses God the most is the person that trusts him. You know, sometimes you look and say, ah, this man... Oh, this woman, so faithful. I hope I get my point. Church, they are the first to reach. They said we have eight services this week. Two on Sunday and one every morning by 6 a.m. No matter how early you come, that person is inside. Not only inside, has helped to clean the whole place. We give the last cup ball he or she has to help somebody else. So how do we normally... 
you know, think in our hearts, man, this brother is so faithful. This sister is so faithful. And listen to me, those things are good. I hope you get my point. Very, very good. So we expect that individual to be loved above all else by God. But you know the truth? As much as God appreciates those things, that is not what impresses him the most. What impresses the Lord the most is the person who says that, if God says it, it must be final. Now this person, half of the time, is missing church. I'm not encouraging you to miss church, but you get my point. This person, he doesn't give half as much as the other person. If he has six, before he remembers to come visit you, you go down where say, ah, oh, but I thought you were six. I don't, ah, you are, you are well now. And I wanted to come and see you. I was going to tell stupid stories, but he will never come and visit you. Now, I'm going to say something here. That's such, such a person will not impress us naturally. But you know the truth? When God is relating people, that person is first. Now, please, get my, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Try and follow me properly. I am not saying good works are wrong. But I'm saying if we could separate them and tease them out, the faith in the heart of that individual that says if God says it, it settles it. That impresses God more than the, all the other self-sacrifice somebody is making. And you know the truth? That's the kind of person that really can sacrifice. I mean, what have you given that can compare to what Abraham gave? You know the truth? Many people who are giving, let me be honest, eh? some of us pastors will just take advantage of human beings with preaching lies to them. Many people give. You don't know the reason why they are giving. God is not happy. Let me give you a few reasons. Some people, their iniquity is what they are paying for. It's cheaper to pay than to repent. We are stealing money where we are not supposed to be getting money from. We are stealing money regularly. Every month we get like a hundred million. And Pastor said, you will give. You know, the, the, the attempt is to God. Don't punish us. We are sharing this loot. Didn't we give you your portion? That's true. Some people, they are not stealing money, but they have not accepted forgiveness. They sinned when they were young. They sinned until they were 38. It was, <laughs> it was two weeks before their 39th birthday that they repented and gave their life to Christ. They look back over their lives. One day I met a man. He was sharing some papers out, trying to raise money to build a facility to help rescue, like, okay, let me add modern words now. This was not good then, in that time. Trafficked women to help women who are, have gone into prostitution to get them out and all of that. When I read the details and I read the, his reason, I wanted to tell him, say, bros, come. Do you want to die or you want to live? If you want to live, burn this rubbish paper you are circulating and drop that idea. You know why? The reason why he was doing that, he used to be a pimp. He was running like, you know, this um, hospitality business. The main thing he did was pimping. Arranged women for big men, you know. He was moving the big circles, you know. He was running with the big men. And, and the, the main thing he did was to defile young women and make money in the process. Then he had not given his life to Christ. When I read the whole story, I felt that brought say, come. I, you know, I didn't know him. I wanted to say, you know, this is why God kills people. This good work you are doing is the reason why he's going to enjoy you. 
because you insult him. You are insulting him. He's taking personal offense at what you are doing. You know, many people don't realize it. He's taking personal offense. You say you were sorry. You have repented, Abby. The only thing he's asking is, don't do it again. That's what he's asking. Don't do it again. Do you say do it? No. Okay, the hotel you owned for that, okay, you've broken it down. Praise God. You have donated it to a university as hostel. Beautiful. You have now gone to be importing, uh, to be growing rice and selling yam. Fine. That's where you not get money from. God said, fine, you've gone on that business. Move on with life. But the one that you are stylishly trying to pay me back, you corrupted 500 young women, you want to rescue 5,000 to pay me. On the fifth one, I shall kill you. People don't know who God is. Oh. He says, stop insulting me. You know one of the reasons why he does that? This your attempt is worsening the situation. But you don't know. Have somebody ever spoiled your work before and they are trying to repair it? And you say, just leave it. He said, just leave it. Maybe somebody decided to help you cook. Carry one handful of salt. Dump them inside your small bottle of stew. When you find out, you say, just leave it. Say, no, no, it's not good. They spend a lot of money on this pot. Then go to the market, blends more, to- more tomato, and come pour it inside. Ah. Say, why is this pot so full? Madam, I've been put tomato. Whether the salt go go down. You know, you are getting angry now. Because you are an expert cook. You know what to do. You have your method for desalination of the salt. Adding more tomato is not going to help you. In fact, now you have to remove tomato now. Before, it was only salt needed to remove. He said, I was just trying to... He said, but I told you, leave it alone. You know, human beings... You've not been in that kind of situation before. Somebody carry your car. Go enter inside gutter. Go and say, ah, okay. That's your 2022 um, BMW 5 Series. Sorry, I, I didn't... It can't enter gutter. You say, okay, leave it there. I'm coming. It's like, no. Ah, this thing is not good. Maybe it's, your me- it's one mechanic. He <laughs> now goes to Ensepa to go and collect two vehicles. Then he reaches there. They don't hook. <laughs> In their mind, this kind of rear wheel drive. Uh, so it's front wheel drive because that's the one they know. They don't know. Some people still put their proportion behind. As, maybe your own is like that. So they are not dragging your... They lift the front and with your gear in park <laughs> and they are rolling your back tires. So when you get there, all you are thinking of is the five million you will give Charis to change the gearbox. Because they don't roll them, they don't damage your, your gearbox. You get there, say, what's the first thing you tell the guy? I told you, leave it there. There are things he doesn't know, you know. You say, what I, all you are saying that when you ran into the gutter, it didn't offend me, it was a mistake. But now this is the offense of Adam. The first one was the offense of Eve. Eve was deceived. Now you, I told you, leave it there. I asked, is it blocking the road? You said no. The tire, I said, leave it there, I am coming. When you did that, all I needed to do was panel beating and respray. But now I need to buy a new gearbox. So please, which part of you should I shoot? Because some, a part has to be shot. When we are trying to pay for our sins, that's what we are doing to the Lord. He's looking and saying, what are you trying to do now? This was not what I created you for. You are going to spend the next 5 to 15 years trying to undo what you cannot undo. See, the girls you are saving are not the ones you corrupted. 
This one you are saving. They are going to have fire, whether you save them or not. I know all of them one by one. This girl was condemned at the age of 21. She's too stubborn. I talked to her 10 times. Why are you saving her for? By the time he opens your eyes, I said, when you get to heaven, eh? If Jesus, he might not. But if he were to show you things that happened on the earth, you'd be like, God, and you killed only 100 people. Why didn't you kill like 7,000? Say, now I understand your patience. Some people here praying, say, God, leave there. God said, see, if I left that guy for one more year, there would have been an atomic bomb dropped in Ukraine. So that's the reason why sometimes I just tell you, leave the car there. Leave your iniquity there. Say you have repented. You have been baptized, Abby. You have confessed your sins. You now go to church. You now worship. Leave it there. This is your arrangement to do trafficking rescue. So you now see a man, good heart. He's going to rescue traffic victims. He has an accident. He jams one Dangote trailer. Boom. Car of five people. Only him dies. You don't know that God says, yeah, I've been telling him. Leave this thing alone. Some people's good works is what will kill them. Why? It's with a wrong motive. They have not accepted forgiveness. God said, I forgive you. They said, no, I must pay small. You can't just forgive me like that now. Forgiveness is expensive. How much be one, one pint of the blood of Jesus? <laughs> they want to pay. Say, Jesus, I know you say you try, but let me just add something. I hope you're getting my point. It's so important. That's why God, sometimes you'll be su- the way he deals with us, you'll be surprised. He said, but that man is a good man. No? Because his goodness was not motivated by the right thing. It was motivated by his distrust of my word. I told him I forgive him. He said, no, let him do something small. Please don't argue with God. Though. He doesn't like it. If that's he has forgiven you. I like one story Ken Hagen told. The evidence was clear that God was wrong. That the Lord Jesus was wrong. It was so clear. No, let, let me know what I mean. That to him, the Lord told him that I've given you a special anointing. Put your hand across somebody when you are praying. If you feel fire jump from one hand to the other, there's an evil spirit resident in that body that's causing the ailment. So you cast out that demon, and the person will get healed. So one day he was ministering to some. It was a clear vision. So one day he was praying for one man. He put his hand there, fire jumped from one hand to the other. Ah, the man had a very stiff back. He said, okay, good. This is a demon spirit. So he cast out the spirit and told the man, now see whether you can touch your toes. The man tried. His back was still stiff. He went through that process three times. And is it not clear that Jesus was wrong? The man was not healed. Do you understand? Next thing he knew, the Lord appeared to him all of a sudden again. And said to him one word. I said it will go. He said, but Lord, you were here. I'm sure you were here. He didn't go. Then the Lord didn't give me any explanation. All he said to him is what? I said it will go. And he said, Lord, but you were here. Everybody saw it. I cast out the demon. The man was not healed. He didn't go. He said he pointed his finger like almost touching his nose. I said it will go. And the vision ended. Nothing more than that. God didn't explain to you. You know, you should understand that when I say to you, go, what it means. No, there was no explanation. I said it will go. He said, by that time, fire was leaping out of his eyes. You could see he was angry. 
I said it will go. Then he got confused. He said it will go. It did not go. This demon, did he not hear that he said you will go? <laughs> that was not the confusion. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Who prompted him? He said it will go. It went. Then it dawned on him that, oh, he said it will go. No matter what I saw, it went. So he called the man again. Went through the process. As soon as he was done, he told the man, now you are healed. Now the demon is, now I want to add many words now. Now the demon has gone. Your affliction has been removed. Go ahead, my brother. Touch your toes. That one bent down and that's it. He was totally free. Before he was checking, is he working? Is he working? Is he working? And the Lord was angry. I said it will go. Take it for granted that it has gone. The person that impresses him the most is the one that builds his life on his promises. Not the one that checks the environment. Listen, if you understand this, you will make the right decisions all the time. People tell me that my spirit, the Holy Spirit, I said, look, the Holy Spirit does not speak to people as much as they think he does. You know why? Because he has spoken to everybody. What is that speech? Scripture. What is the speech? His word. People have said, I prayed, and the Lord said, I shouldn't worry. I want to say, wait, are you all right? The Lord had to tell you not to worry. So if he had said worry, you would have started worrying. Wouldn't you have said, get behind me, Satan? There is nothing big enough in this life to worry, to make you worry, as far as God is concerned. If they tell you tomorrow, the world is coming to an end. Where was I? And I heard somebody give this testimony. Okay, one was my convention, which I, where we're just coming from. Once I was telling a story in our Bible study group. Now somebody, you know, I don't let anybody scare you with, uh, I see death around you. Somebody called one woman and said, no, she, she was the one that dreamt. The person talking. Say a number of years ago, she dreamt that one of her friends died. So she called a friend and told her, see you, we need to pray, you know, that kind of thing. The woman just, okay, maybe like I'll call you back, I can't remember the details now. But later when they spoke, he said, look, at least I heard what you said. But really, I don't see what I, I should do about it. He said, if I die now, the Lord will take care of my children. The Lord will take care of my husband. I don't see anything. There's nothing I can do about it. I'm sorry. You saw that I died. Too bad. She can. No prayer. Nothing. He said, sorry, too bad. That the things that should bother me is my, my, my children, my husband. He said, look, if I died, then fine. The Lord will take care of them. That was 15 years ago. That was 15 years ago. The woman is still going about kicking. That was 15 years ago. She just answered straight. What is it? I don't know if it's many of us. We are the altar. Father, my children are still young. Father, father, father. The woman just said flat. Said the Lord will take care of my children. He will take care of my husband. If he says I should come now, he means everything I'm supposed to do is done. She didn't not, hey, I rebuke you. Oh, you demon spirit <laughs> that want to truncate my life. What's the name of that poster you saw when we were coming? War against testimony destroyer. <laughs> As we were driving, my wife said, hey, see you. He said, program, billboard, war against testimony destroyers. <laughs> the woman just said clearly, the Lord said, I would perfect all that concerns you. I'm adding words to it now. For that reason, I'm convinced he will take care of my children. Take care of my husband. Don't worry about it. I mean, the kind of prayer she prays just activated some promises on their head. I said, Lord, when you are ready, let me know. That was 15 years ago. 15 years ago. She's still alive. Those are people who understand that if they die, they are going somewhere good. 
Many of us don't want to die. You know why? We're not sure we are going to hell. All the iniquities. No. <laughs> God, am I going to hell or going to heaven? I'm not sure we are going to heaven or whether heaven is there. So this heaven we have been reading. I hope it's not only the pages of the book. <laughs> so when they say go die, and I say, God, no, 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 I can't die now. He said, Why not? Say, I don't want to go to hell. I will say you are going to hell. My sins have not been fully forgiven. So he said, Pastor Kim, they come and baptize me tomorrow. I hope I'll die in the evening. <laughs> No, that's why people were, so what am I going to say? Those people, that woman, just look at the promises of God and based her decisions on it. I was saying, many people say, God spoke to me. God said, what, the, what do I need to tell you? People have told me before. I went and prayed. The Lord said, I shouldn't worry. I felt like, so what did you expect him to say? When God said, you shouldn't worry, doesn't mean you won't die. Do you hear what I said? If God said, don't worry, doesn't mean you won't die. So don't take consolation in what he did not say. Because even if you are going to, worry, if you are going to die, he will tell you the same thing. Don't worry. <laughs> he wouldn't be the first. There's one story, one man of God, too. I think it's Kenny Higgins that told the story. Said they were somewhere in a meeting. There was one particular pastor. His wife had been sick for some time. So he had been at home nursing his wife and all of that. He quietly traveled. So he had this particular important meeting, a conference of ministers or something like that, that she was supposed to come for. So the wife encouraged him that, look, you can't, your, your whole life cannot be defined by my illness. Go, go and mix with other ministers. Get some fresh, another kind of thing. So he went. While the meeting was going on, they called him that the woman was critically ill. Now, she was now, she had taken it a turn for the worse. So, of course, he called the other ministers, so they began to pray. So, as they were praying, there was one young minister there that suddenly had the revelation and said, Oh, hey, the, word, the Lord just spoke to me. They said, What did they say? He said, The Lord said, She's all right. So they began to worship God. Father, we thank you for your answer prayer. We thank you. Five minutes later, they got a phone call. The woman was dead. <laughs> Being a young minister, he was embarrassed. Ah! He said, no, but no, I heard the Spirit speak to me just now. So the older minister said, what did the Spirit say? He said, the Spirit says she's all right. He said, what is wrong with you? People are dead in Christ. They're all right. <laughs> yes. Okay, no, what he said to them is that the Lord said she's healed. You understand? Five minutes that they called, she was dead. So that's the answer. What did the Lord say? He said, the Lord said she's all right. He said, look at this young man. When the Lord says she's all right, it means she's all right. To die and be with the Lord is being all right. When my friend passed on some years ago, one of our brothers, the wife called the children that... She wanted to break the news to them. I'd been ill for some time. We had been praying and everything. So he called the children. And two of them have had visions about their dad. If I remember well. At least one, but I think it's two, two, two different ones. So he said, okay, let us pray. Uh, what do you people think? Uh, how is daddy doing? One of them said that, no, that um, he saw daddy get up and was totally fine, was all right. I think another one, unless I'm mistaken, maybe the same person, said he saw an angel appeared, touched daddy where he was sick, and he got up, and he was wearing white, and he was perfectly okay. And then he walked away with the angel. And, ah, so they were thinking that, meanwhile, she already knew that dad had passed on. But what visions did the children have of a perfectly whole, a perfectly well person who the Lord has taken care of? It made it easy for her to share with them. That no, you're not going to see him again on this side of eternity. But you are all correct. 
Now, he's perfectly all right. One of them referred to the part of him that was ill, that everywhere was fine. He was looking very handsome, everything very beautiful. She just heard it and smiled. But she knew the day before that their dad had gone. I hope you're getting my point here. So listen to me. Those who die in the Lord, they are very all right. They are very all right. The only part of it I don't like is the, 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 the Sadhu said that when they get to heaven, they make them forget things on the earth. I say, oh, Lord, that's not good. In my mind. They should remember us once in a while and be waiting for us. So when is Pastor Banke coming? The Lord says, it's going to take a while. He said, okay. The Lord can tell them, don't worry, five more days. Five more, one day, my, my daughter is squeezing her face. Don't worry. <laughs> a day with the Lord is like a thousand years. <laughs> the Lord tells you five more days. It can be five thousand years, man. You never can tell. What am I saying? Let's get it. What God wants for us to build our lives, our expectations on his promises. For that reason, he doesn't see any reason why we should worry. There's no reason. What, why I went to die, the people tell me that the Lord said to me, I said, look, some of the Lord said to me is I hear from people. I said, it is not necessary. He has said it to all of us. He has said it to all of us. He has said to those who are critically ill, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And they will die. He will say to the person, the person will still die. Doesn't change what he said. Go and check how he killed Aaron. Just one thing, told Moses, remove his shirt. Well, not, well, not really shirt, his priestly garment. He removed it from Aaron, Aaron died. When it was time for Moses to die, the Lord said, come, lie down here. What's going to happen? Is this to make me talk? No, it's to make you die. <laughs> yes, the Lord said, lie down here. You are going to die here, and I'm going to bury you. And as Moses laid down, and the Lord sucked him, sucked him out of the, of the flesh. And that's it. He died. He said, eh, if I let them see your dead body, they will worship it. They will, these people are just coming from Egypt. Master embalmers. You know, Egyptians, what they embalmed 4,000 years ago, we are still discovering them in, in their tombs. So if I let these people, so God took him somewhere around that area, dug a grave. Very, in fact, I suspect he dug like 35 feet that nobody, they now, after digging, they now push the mountain over the 35 feet. So men are begin dig now. <laughs> and there was not to him, it was nothing. There's never a reason to fear. There's never a reason to worry. So when people tell me that uh, God said I shouldn't worry, it doesn't mean anything. I'm sorry to say it like that. It just means one thing. Okay, let me say that. It means only one thing. What does that mean? Don't worry. That's all it means. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. One of the most important things, all right, you must overcome in life is the fear of death. What does death mean? I'll tell you. Death means, of course, there's one kind of death which we all understand. The heart stops beating. The breath stops moving. The body expires, and we have to bury. That's one form of death. And God says, don't be afraid of that one. Don't be afraid of it in you or in people around you. We live only to serve the purpose of God. 
I hope you're getting my point. That's the only reason why Christians live, to serve divine purpose. There's a second form of death, which God said, also don't be afraid of. There's death of things around you. You start a business, you spend a lot of money, you've invested like 50 million naira, a lot of energy. Somebody says they're about to die. Quickly go to this bank. You need about another 12 million naira to refinance. They are trying to tell and say, I know they go back. Why? I want to sleep. Ah! It's not time to sleep. No, it's time to sleep. I just came back for this same company also. I just traveled and came back. Last week I was supposed to go to church. People dragged me out of my house at 7 in the morning. I didn't go to church. Then they to meet some important distributors who will be able to move our products. Did they move it? No. At the end of all the negotiations, I was out by under half a million naira. Said this one, I should get the bank to refinance because we need more. I said, no, I'm not going. Okay, if you don't see the bank as well, this company may die. So it's called the fear of death. I don't have it. I don't have the fear of death. He wants to die? Too bad. I've done my best. I have done what I'm supposed to do. Right now, I'm going to sleep. If I wake up in the morning, the company is still there, fine. If I come back and the company is no longer there, fine. As a banker, are you serious? Very, very serious. We won't lose sleep over a, a, a business because of what? They say, listen, guys, I'm going to sleep. In fact, I'm switching off my phone. Mr. Manager, if you call me, whoa, turn that fire you there. Quite the phone. Call you back on Monday morning. This is Friday. On Saturday, what do you do? Go and pray. No. At times, you don't even pray again. Say, God, this is harassing you because of an ordinary company. It's enough. If I pray, say, Lord, if I pray this weekend, to be, I will pray for the country, pray for my wife, pray for my children, pray for my friends, and give thanks the rest of the time. As for that company, you won't hear the name from my mouth this weekend. Sunday, we'll go to church. Who has a testimony? I want to thank God that my God is faithful. I want to thank God that my God is good. So, Pastor said, what really happened? Ah, okay. God happened. In what way? He showed himself faithful. He can never fail. Hallelujah. You draw the microphone. Everybody look at it. What's wrong with that guy? Nothing. And you get there. The little money you have, carry all your children to the mall. Sit down there. Chop. You know, like one man said, <laughs> I saw the video. He said, if the money you have is not enough to solve all your problems, eat that money. <laughs> now, I'll show you the video. Very funny. Say, if the money you have is not enough for all those problems, eat that money. And he was saying it. See the one fantastic, you know, bowl of yam and soup? You guys say, I'm going to eat that money. <laughs> Go to the mall and eat that money. Eat expensive food. And go home and go and sleep. <laughs> on, on Monday morning, I'm telling you, you go back to the office. Say, boys, now see they here. So a guy will see they uh -huh. The company is still alive. So even we were surprised. I'm telling you, surprise until the day is what? Devil thereof. That's another fear of death that God has cured us of. No, it's not only spiritual, it's not only physical, the body died. No, things want to die. Oh, for you, young man or young woman, they say you are engaged for, you know, last 18 months. The guy is not talking funny. You're not calling your friends to go and beg her. You need Chris for something. Come <laughs> rubbish thing down. They don't take beg, Mario. 
So what do you want? Woman will not give you condition. Honestly, I will flog you myself. Can't marry on conditions. Okay, now I want you to understand now. Eh? Marry on condition. What rubbish is that one? When the girl finishes talking, tell her I'm coming. After five minutes, come back and say, I have one condition for you. You submit it. Because this married are two people. Not begging you. What? Look, men, never... Women too. Never make anybody think you are begging to marry. And I beg you to marry me. Because of what now? After all, my mother still loves me. That's good enough. I have brethren that love me. That's good enough. My neighbors think I'm a good neighbor. Relationship wants to end. They are giving you a condition. That marriage is of the devil. Run away from it. DJ. Okay, now. No, it's true. Woman will be giving you condition. Even man, too. Man will put it and say, right, you must respect my mother. You must respect my father. So was I planning to disrespect them before? What do I look like, Jezebel? Is anybody giving me condition like that? Just say, please, let me go and pray. Change your number. He can't call you again. <laughs> Block him on WhatsApp. What are we talking about? Nonsense here. You know, so they don't feel too important with themselves. I will be begging you. No, it's men that do the begging a lot of times anyway, even though some foolish women also do it. But men do it a lot. I told you young women, young, young men, any woman you call three times does not even use courts to return the call once. It's not of God. You know, they, this marriage, they know the beg person. You know, says, because I don't have money yet. It's good. You shouldn't have money yet so that you know who really wants to marry you. Some people, because women refuse that you're not going to be hustling. They increase. <laughs> The Lord is good. <laughs> oh, that's it. I don't even know how I got there. Fear of death, thank you. In relationship wants to die, let it die. Like I keep on saying, it takes away the first to establish the second. I have friends that were engaged for years, after six years, that kind of thing. The, 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 the girl say, you know, they do it again. In all the situations I have in mind there, in fact, this particular one, within a few weeks, the guy was married. <laughs> I know one guy, the first day he met the woman, listen to this. The first day he met the woman, first day, till they were done, traditional marriage, sorry, introduction, traditional marriage, white wedding, everything was three months. They're not getting my point. They didn't arrange the marriage. After church, they said, come, let's go. Sister so-and-so is doing baby dedication. So they all went to church, from church. They went there. Another lady came to come for the same baby dedication. Listen, let me tell you the truth. This guy, I know him so well. His younger brother is my good friend. And I met the woman. At that baby dedication, he saw this woman. And his life was not the same again. <laughs> you, you, you don't get it. Let me say to you, within a few weeks, he had proposed marriage. She had agreed. They had seen her parents. His parents went there. When they wanted to fix the date of wedding, the guy pinched everybody. Oh, come on, next week now. Ah, what do you wrong with you? Ah. He said, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? 
I'm not joking. Every, when, you, when the brother was telling me, I was like, is this a joke? He said, no. That he met this woman three months ago. They had done introduction. They had done. Sharp, sharp. That's what they call a quick walk. Cut short in righteousness. <laughs> then my friend that was telling me that was engaged for like six years. Then somebody now said, I know they marry again. He didn't have time to waste again. <laughs> Proposed to one woman. That was a let me think. Just let down. He went and proposed to another one. That one agreed immediately. So I'm not telling you story that I don't know. So somebody wants to now go away from your life. You now want to after you have invested. It's a seed. <laughs> a grain of weight, except it dies. I'll buy it alone. Fear of death should not hold you in anything. I hope you get my point. Fear of death should not hold you in anything. Never. Who is the person that God loves? Is that person who builds her life, who builds his life on his promises. When you are making decisions, it's because of what God has said. If you want to make decisions, sometimes you say, ah, this job pays more than this one. Listen, the word of God is valid evidence. Did you hear what I said? Yes, I, will say it, I will say it again. The word of God is tangible and valid evidence. If they say this street is safe, you are looking for a house, and this one is not as safe as this one, Take scripture and add to the calculation. I'm not saying you should go and stay in the street that is unsafe by because you are just looking for trouble. You understand what I'm saying? Those are people that just look for trouble. They say, where can we find trouble? Just to show them. That's not what I'm going to say. I'm saying, add the word of God to the equation. If the safe street says, your rent is going to be one million a year, and you have to be praying for all the supply, 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 and all you can afford is 250. The one that says it's not as safe as that one, they say that one is 250. To stay in both of them, there's no prayer. One prayer for money, and one for prayer for safety. Just bear it in mind. That's all, I need. That, that's all I'm going to say. Because landlord pursuing you is unsafe. <laughs> Rent time is coming. You are beginning to confess. Confess. Don't confess scripture. Two weeks you are confessing the scripture. Choose the one that you can do. I think it's, personally, maybe it is easier to confess. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so does the Lord surround his people. Every troublemaker that comes to this neighborhood, in the name of Jesus, be confused. As those who came against Elisha got confused. They did not see Elisha, even though they could see Elijah. They followed him into the center of Samaria. Lord, confound them. Lord, scatter them. Don't let them know what is going on. It's not prayer. That's the point I'm making. The word of God is what? Tangible evidence. Those who think it's easier to pray for money, no problem. I mean, pray, just don't owe anybody. You almost say they are believing God. It's the light. They are just distributing their problem on anybody, everybody else. I'm just believing God for that rent. It's one million. No. All I have is 250. But I'm just believing God for the balance. Why are you telling me? Do I look like God to you? <laughs> Never heard that song before. If you get a problem, call God. If you get a business, call me. <laughs> You've not said this song before. Are you come here and say you are believing God. 
If you are believing God, keep quiet. I want to borrow money from me, borrow money from me. Don't come and be using style. Like one brother, when we were in school one day, I was in the room. He said, huh? He said, ah, bank, I think I'm believing God for one night. I said, okay. <laughs> I just said, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after some time, I carried my bag. I was going, he said, ah, bank, I told you I'm believing God for one night. <laughs> Robbie, his name starts with B. I said, Robbie, do I look like God? He said, Bank, why are you doing like this now? You're not getting one naira for it. There's a naira for talking. Why are you telling me you're believing God for one naira? Do I look like God? He said, Bank, you're back, you stop this thing now. I said, Hey. So I opened my purse and I gave him one naira. I said, Why are you doing that? You're believing God. <laughs> the Lord is good. The word of God is tangible evidence. That's what I'm going to make. And what does he want from his children? Build your life on what he has promised. That's the person that impresses him. Sometimes people look and say that the reason, see, like I keep saying, you know, Pyelton was not born in Oshobo. He was not born in Elisha. Where, where, where was he based? Elisha, all right. He was not born in Elisha. He was born somewhere in the UK. And he came to Nigeria. True or false? This man that was sent to the Jagba people, I don't know who remember his name too. Someone like Pyelton, but he's not as well known. You no, know, something like that. He heard the name, that Jagba you know, group of people, when he was somewhere in Europe too. And he came, located the place, came to Nigeria and lived and died there. Yes, white man too. Mary Slessor was not born in Calabar. Was she born in Calabar? Her mother was Efik. And her father, Ibibio. Is that what happened? She also came from abroad. So relocating is not a problem. And we celebrate all these people that I've just mentioned their names. So people can relocate any, to any part of the world. One of our brothers said, told me the other day that he's moving over to, from Uganda to Rwanda. Ah, it rhymes, all right? So he said, so I said, are you planning to invite me? He said, yes, sir. I said, please, invite me. We need to go to Rwanda together. And I wasn't joking. I said, let's tell Paul Kagame there's gospel to be preached. Paul Kagame doesn't like preachers. Yeah, he doesn't. His reason is not because he's a wicked person. He just believes that preachers are charlatans. And in one single day, he shut down. Is it 3,000 or 7,000 churches? Close them in one day. 7,000 churches in one day. Close them. Even though me said, I will close them. 7,000 in that small country. Come on. Why in a day? <laughs> People like me can't preach in this country. I don't have a degree in theology. So I told him, I said, please go and let Paul Kagame know there is a gospel. And I told him his story. I said, don't worry, Paul Kagame will listen to me. That's not supposed to be a joke. I said, he will listen. He will listen. This is not bragging, eh? I'm not, not, but it's like saying that I've killed bears, I've killed lions. Before I went on, and I told the brother the story, before I went on um, Cosmo FM, they said no preachers on that radio station. No, they don't want. I was the first preacher they heard on Cosmo FM. The first. And when the MD, Jika, came back, he traveled abroad. When he came back, he was angry. With who put this preacher here? Then he tuned it to listen to this preacher. First time, second time. I don't know how many times. Then he met me one day. He said, you are Pastor Bank, you met in New Heaven. He shook my hand very well. Thanked me for the work I'm doing. How people have been blessed. 
removed his shirt to show me where he was shot in his chest. So he wasn't joking. He wasn't trying to impress me. And told me the effect of the gospel that if those young men had heard me talk, he doesn't think they'd be shooting people. One of my former students, told by a military officer, a Muslim, this and he said, he'll bring the man to visit me one day. Never did anyway. And the guy didn't used to miss the way of success. The man came from Mocha to come and see me. He said he never believed in God until he heard me preach. So I told my brother, I said, listen, we'll go to Rwanda. Don't worry. Paul Kagame will hear the gospel. Maybe he has been hearing some of these are funny prophets. So they hardened his heart. And they come and hear the word. I'll tell you, God, this one that you are saying, Futu, Tutsi, that has not been solved. Only Jesus can solve it. Except you let the gospel penetrate. That Christ will raise his head again. Anyway, that's just by the way. What am I going to say? So you can go abroad everywhere, to any way you like. But why are you going is the question I'm asking. People say, I'm going abroad because of the safety or the, 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 the future of my children. That is far, far, far foul. That is, you, are, you, are, you are insulting the Lord. You are insulting him. You are insulting the Lord. When I want to make decisions about the destiny of my children, I find what he said about them in the scripture. He said, you will not bear children for calamity. So I make my decisions based on that scripture. He said, why have I chosen Abraham? So that he would teach his children and his household, and his household after him in the will of the Lord on how to do righteousness and justice. He said, if he does that, then I will be able to fulfill the promise I give concerning him and concerning his household. So what is the, where is the destiny of my children? Teach them righteousness and what? Justice. That's the, destiny. the destiny of no child is located in no country. There's no country where the destiny of children is located. There's nowhere where it is easier. Listen, you must understand that destinies are spiritually controlled. They let, a word was out, kill every male that is born to the Israelites. But then a child was born, and it was what? A beautiful child. A child of purpose. That's the meaning of beautiful. And the angel of God preserved that child and made the enemies of the Hebrews raise the child for him. When I was coming to Enugu, people told me that you are going to the east. You know Nigeria? Nigeria. Nigeria. I said, what happened to Nigeria? You have to stay amongst your people. Who am I? That was the question I asked them. Who are my people? I'm a citizen of heaven. Who are my people? They asked Jesus Christ, your, father, your, your mother and your brothers are looking for you. You say, who are my brethren? Who is my mother? He looked at everybody. He said, those who hear the word of God and do it. The same is my brother. The same is my sister. The same is my uncle. <laughs> he said, this, that is the, this, those are the people that are my brethren. Said, I'm going to raise the people for God. Leave me alone. And I said to them, I said, Joseph was not an Egyptian. That was the word I kept on telling everybody. I said, Joseph was not an Egyptian. That was in the year 2000, 22 years ago. Believe me, I've been blessed in this city. I've been honored in this city. I've been favored. I've had peace. I've had rest. Fact. What was the reason I came? I, what I've told you is what I've, I told everybody then. I had I'd been to Enugu only once in my life. Before I made the decision to come, relocate from Lagos to Enugu, I'd only been here once in my life. Stayed all the time inside campus, attending a Christian program. 
Sneaked out only once, three of us, my, me and two of our friends, to go and visit one sister in GRE. That was just for like three hours. We're back on campus. Didn't know what the city looked like. But through many signs, I knew that was where God wanted me to go. So I accepted to go before I came. I don't know what my point. Before I came physically, I'd accept I was coming. I came to resume my appointment at the University of Nigeria Nugu campus. So it's not like, hey, let me go and test. No. One month later, my wife joined me. What was the reason? Just what I told you. He gave me confidence. And I kept on saying, but <laughs> Joseph was not an Egyptian. I said he was surrounded righteous with favor as with a shield. You can't have confidence in any other thing. Apart from what God has spoken. That's why as a believer, when you are going to pray, to so go and discover what he has spoken or to remind him of what he spoke that you have heard and you have believed. Let it build faith in your heart. When I was living in trans the brother was staying downstairs that time. <laughs> One day my wife and I told him, this bro, please, lock your door now. He didn't use to lock anything. Whether it's inside or outside. And there were thieves around him. You know this normal plywood doors? You just turn the, you know, union key. It will just turn that union key. Which union key used to buy replacement in the market? Just say, what is the number? M21H. Give me M21H. And they will just tell it to you. That was it, what our, our doors had. But they told you, now put a metal you know, protector behind to lock it. We begged him and said, lock this thing now. He said, you know, this will be like, say, Pastor Banky, why now? Like, he's, why bother? I said, at least just put a padlock. He said, any thief that wants to enter, let him take what he wants. That was his attitude. You know, well, upstairs, I was living upstairs, okay? And the staircase to upstairs, the one we used was metal. So the one would lock our own door. We're using the back one mostly. It was okay. His own, bro, lock this thing now. The back, it won't lock. Bought by padlock, 200 naira padlock those days. We locked this thing. He didn't bother. What was his reason? Did he explain it to me? I understood. He said, see, my father had a friend in Lagos that the man had metal wires with electricity. He thought that when you touch it, <laughs> it will shock you. He said, he had CCTV, he had everything. He said, these thieves, thieves came to his house. They stopped him on the road, entered his car, sat with him. He got there, opened the door, for they all went in together. Like, he, said, <laughs> he said, since that day, he lost faith in everything. See, they went and waited for him somewhere down the road, stopped him, entered his car, made him drive them into his house. He opened all the things for them, and they went in and they robbed him. So since that day, he told himself, God, if you don't take care of me, then leave it. When a man gives that kind of testimony, what are you going to say again? <laughs> now I zip my mouth. One of our brothers said they were robbing, those days when they used to rob homes a lot, they were living in New Heaven. They were breaking doors, one door after the other, in his block of flats. So he reasoned. So he took his Bible, sat on the table in his sitting room, and told the Lord, well, either you take care of me, or you don't. So he went to the door, opened the door. No, he left, he turned the key. So when anybody comes, you don't need to break it, just open the door and come inside. So he sat on the chair, on the table. I was reading the Bible. He read the Bible until he didn't hear any noise again. He didn't come to his door. The only door that was not locked, they didn't come there. Nobody came to try his door. He kept on, he just sat down there reading the scriptures, just reading. 
After a while, they didn't hear anything again. They have finished with the robbery. The, on, the only door they will have not needed to struggle to open. And let me tell you the truth. The way God works there, they probably got there and saw a wall. Yeah, angels behave funny. Angels don't always draw dagger. There are times if I draw dagger for this boy, he will die. And the Lord says he needs about five more chances at repentance. So the time has not yet come. So the angels sent to protect that one will just turn to a wall. Paint himself that same color. And block that place. When they get there, they say, well, no flat for this side. No, that angels, they do all kinds of things. They, they, they are protecting you. You just don't realize it. You think that you will be kept alive by chance. They don't shoot you five times. You don't know. <laughs> but none ever hit you. There was one, one fly went beside you. He did like this at the fly. Now bullet. You thought it was fly. God said, this boy. They don't shoot you. Then I witch from the village. I'm robbers from the city. Everybody has been shooting. <laughs> you know why I don't want to tell you? Because you become afraid. So it's not, God doesn't come every time. Let me come and shoot him. Sit down. Let me tell you what I've been doing for you. Whether you give me a good offering. He doesn't come to do stuff like that. Let me show you what I, Sometimes he said, no, I won't tell you. If I tell you, I remember one day, one sister was living near us, so I attended the same church. So I was in the church one evening. I said, okay, I asked her to please walk me to church. I wanted to do something in church. So we're now going back. We're walking, then I saw this big snake. Yeah! Was crossing the road. I saw the snake. She didn't see the snake. It was like early evening. You could still see. So I kept on walking like nothing happened. Do you know? Think about this. She stepped in front of the snake, just in front of the head of the snake, and lifted her foot, and we kept on walking. That is, she missed the snake's head by just about an inch. I didn't say anything. She never knew. I must have told her much later. You are talking. The other evening, you almost stepped on the snake. Why didn't they tell her? I said, no, I can't handle panic. As they go, so with the peace of God, I said, it's good. We're just walking on the road. I saw she never saw it. She just walked. Do you know if I said snake? You know what I'm... <laughs> I didn't say a word. He said, was I not afraid? There's something that's happened to me a number of times. Since I was young, God has done that. Once somebody, maybe junior to me, smaller than me, you know, that I'm supposed to protect kind of is with me, I tend to lose my fear. It's not boldness, oh. It's responsibility. <laughs> I remember when we were young, went to visit one of my friends. Eh? I was small. When I'm telling you small, I am convinced I was not up to 10. Yes, I wasn't up to 10. There's a reason why I remember. Two of my little sisters walked with me to our friend's house down the road. We got there. They had these dogs. How do we do these dogs? I, I started to walk close. So the dogs were, you know, we were walking slow. Nobody was at home. The dogs were doing. Rang. So we kept on moving closer just to try and knock. They were on one side. You know, these dogs, they did it. You know, once the leader dog gets up, the other one just follow. Next thing, they charged at us. So I ran. But I had two of my sisters with me, younger than me. As young as I was, first thing that I did was to scan, look for them. I saw the direction one of them ran to. I pursued her. Mine to get to her before the dog. And I turned. I happened to have a short rod in my hand. 
I turned at the dog like this and raised the dog, raised the rod. How many of you remember camping beds? These rods of camping beds, yes. The dog came to a screeching halt, turned and pensed, you know they call pens, <laughs> and ran away. I wasn't bold. Just that, all I do is my younger sister. I managed to get to her before the dog, and I stood there. I was not up to ten. <laughs> when we were seven, we had, this, I had the same experience. We went to Gachaka Gumti Game Reserve. So they told about hippopotamus. We went to their pool. So they said, ah. so we're looking for how to make hippopotamus. They are told us every bad thing about hippopotamus that they will trample you to death. And that don't be deceived by their size, that they can run. Eh? So we did, they were throwing sticks, stones into the pool, hoping that they will come out. We were seeing hippos. So after a while, we said, no, they go. They said, okay, see, the evening they will come out. As we're going, now here, oh, one loud roar. Somebody decided to run that they are pursuing us. Serious. NYC members, coppers. We begin to Serious. Then suddenly, I remember one young woman that was with us. She was smallish. Everybody had left her behind. I just remember her turned. I saw her back. Do you know what I did? I ran back towards her. You know, fearing for my life, gave her my hand like this. As soon as her hand entered mine, I pulled this girl with all my energy. Then the, the games reserve guard now shouted, no, that they are just shouting that they are not out of the pool. <laughs> Do you know? That young woman was in the batch before our own. So she left before we did. Till she left, she thought I was the most wonderful human being on this earth. Oh. <laughs> Why did I even go to that? Okay, so that day when I saw that, I was walking that young woman. Why I didn't run for the snake was because of her. I was too like, how do I handle this situation? I was just calm. All my own fear. Was surprised because I said, if I shout snake, now that time we will jump on top of the snake. <laughs> that time go pump back to us. The Lord is good. I went to other Jesus to tell us something. Many times God has delivered you, He didn't tell you. Because God doesn't want you to be afraid next time. That road you have been passing to go home every day is very dangerous, you don't know. God has slapped people for your sake. So people have come, say, let's rob this girl. God, God who stood there, say, come and rob her, let me see. <laughs> As they won't come out of the robbery place, they both have her face. The guy's in the hospital. He doesn't know what hit him. You know what? He won't tell you. Go if he tells you now, you'll pack out of that house. <laughs> That's what he does. What am I going to say to us today? Remember, God wants us to build what? Our lives, our decisions on what? His promises. So, as Christians, we need to know what? The promises. That is what cures fear. That is what cures fear. That is what, that's what cures fear. That's what cures fear. Building on the promises of God. Exercising yourself in knowing the promises. And when you go to prayer, you know what you do? Recite those promises back to him. If he has promise of healing, just recite it. You're not feeling well. Yes, it's good. We know. Just keep reciting it. Thou will not be afraid. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That's it. Let's quickly read this. Let us read those scriptures. I want to 
close. Psalm 27 from verse 1. Can we rise to our feet? We are going to just recite this together. From verse 1 to verse... Um, let's read the whole thing. Then we are going to meditate upon the scriptures and then we'll close. If you have New American Standard, please read from it. If you don't have, share with your neighbor. I just want it to sound in rhythm. Are you there? Now, these are the promises of God. This is the word of God to us. This is what we are basing our lives upon. Are you there? Let's read together from verse 1. 1 to let's go. Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? 2. When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. Verse 4. One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to meditate in his temple. 5. For the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me upon a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, and be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. 9. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my foes. 12. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have despaired unless I have believed that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. What are we waiting for the Lord for? I'll tell you, to fulfill his promises. That's it. I like the way the last line is. It's an instruction the man was giving to himself. Let's read again to ourselves. Each person, read it to yourself. One, two, let's go. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. I feel like saying this to somebody. Just wait for the Lord. God doesn't like people running up and down. No. Relax. See, the fact that things are not running smoothly does not mean that's not where you're supposed to be. There's what is called the trial of your faith. It needs to work patience. It needs to work patience. It's important. No, don't anybody tell you that they want to just declare immediately things start working out. They don't always work out. God will give you a promised land. And you know what he keeps there before you come? Giants. Every good land has giants. You are doing a business, you are doing an you know, you know, running an establishment, and there are problems. Those problems have a name. They are called what? Giants. You know what you do to giants? You tackle them one by one. You don't run away from them. You don't run away from them. 
They said, local taxes. He said, okay, good. What do we do with local taxes? You start praying, looking for wisdom, asking for advice. You call your lawyer that has the spirit of God. Let's talk about this. Then God gives you strategies to overcome the problems of local or multiple taxation. Another problem will arise, supply chain. They say, I'm tired of this country. I'm tired of this country. One of the things that killed Nigeria as a country eh, is people were not resilient. They found it was easier to go and import and sell because we're exporting crude. It was easy to get it, you know, because Nigeria invested a lot of money, and they still do till now, in education. They can tell us, you know, the truth is that Nigeria invests heavily in education. Don't let anybody lie to you. Federal government does. They've invested so much in education, our professionals just pack their bags, walk across to America, and get a good job. That was what happened. So erratic power came, killed our company. He said, in the country, but there's no country that is good. People stood and overcame the giants. So weak people ran away. We are blaming the country. We gave up. If we had stood and said, this, com- this company, all of us, has no- not of course, not 100% of the people, but a sizable number says, no. All these stories we are telling now, that this company was good before, it has closed down. It has closed down. That, those, that, those stories would not have been told. Every promised land has what? Giants. giants. Every child of God can do what? Overcome giants. Yes, your giants will be overcome. Amen. For that reason, David said, verse 14, read it again loud. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Why would he say be strong, let your heart take courage? Who was the first person you heard that being told in the Bible? Joshua chapter 1. It was Joshua that was about to take a promised land, land full of what? Giants. Tell yourself again. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Go back to verse 1. I want you to just take this for two minutes. Talk to yourself. Just talk to yourself. Just verse 1. Verse 1. If I read it to verse 3. Do all the way to verse 3. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The evildoers came up against me to devour my flesh. Problems came against me to discourage me. My adversaries, economic troubles, bad news. They all stumbled and fell. <laughs> For this reason, even though a host encamps around me, my heart will not fear. I speak to my heart, you will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. Yes, I shall be confident. What I will do in everything is to seek the face of the Lord. Verse 14 again, people read to yourself. Verse 14, one, two, let's go. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Say to somebody beside you. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Say to somebody else. Wait for the Lord. One more person. I say to everyone, fear will not take hold of you in Jesus' name. I, this is a prophetic word directed at you. Do not be afraid. Amen. And that's not, that's, not the, not, that's not the word of advice. So. I'm driving out fear. I'm speaking to fear. Now I say to you again, do not be afraid. Amen. I empower you not to be afraid. Amen. 
How did I do that? By saying, I say to you again, do not be afraid. Amen. 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 For the last time I say to you, do not be afraid. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.